0: Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we are chatting with successful business owners to hear their story of the journey to building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we're taking some time to recognize and acknowledge the folks who have helped us along the way. I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today, my guest was in a band after college that toured the Western U.S. Um, while also maintaining a uh, a full-time day job as a Republican fundraiser. So we're going to dig into that a little bit because that's intriguing. I want to learn more about that. His favorite downtime activity is uh, spending time with family and friends as well as flying. He is a pilot. So I'm, I'm going to ask him a little bit more about that too. That sounds exciting. And he is most proud of his kids, and uh, even if that sounds cliche, uh, I think that is awesome. So we'll get uh, get him to tell us about his family too. So it is my pleasure to welcome Mike to the show today. Hello, Mike. Hey, thanks for having
1: me, Tim. Appreciate it.
0: Fantastic. So, hey, let's start with having you um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you're born and live, and about your family and hobbies.
1: Sure. Uh, I grew up in Indiana. I've stayed in Indiana pretty much my entire life. Um, You know, I was born and raised in Indianapolis. And then um, after college, I went to IU or uh, for college, I went to IU. And after college, I came back to Indy and and stayed in Indiana, Um, married my wife, who I met at IU um, and ended up having three children. and, And we live on the north side of Indianapolis. Um, and we have a place down in southern Indiana that we escape to on the weekends sometimes to, you know, get away from the big city, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I love it here, and, and a lot of our work, you know, we are, we do have a Make My Move, which is my company, and we'll talk about later, does have a nationwide and, and somewhat international footprint, but um, you'll see, you'll notice if you ever visit the site, a lot of Indiana presence, because that's kind of where we started, and, and we, we do care uh, deeply about making sure the state uh, thrives and, and is a wonderful place to live.
0: Wonderful. So a um, couple things. What's your wife's name? Rebecca. Wow. Um, and then my three children
1: are um, 17, 15 and 11. Um, two boys, they're the older ones. And then a daughter um, wow. who's 11 and uh, they're, they're uh They keep me busy. My boys are youth hockey players. So oh, yeah. on the, in the wintertime, uh, they, you know, they play travel hockey Literally, we're just we're all in different places every weekend. You know, I could be in Pittsburgh, but my wife's in Minneapolis, and my daughter's in you know, all I mean, it's it's chaos, um, and it gets tiring, but it's fun. And I'll I know I'll miss it when it's gone. There's there's nothing more fun than the relationships that I've made with that, and getting to watch watch my kids, you know, um, learn what life is like uh, yeah. uh, by playing youth hockey. So it's fun.
0: Fantastic. So tell us about uh, having uh, touring in a band.
1: Yeah. So um, when I got when I got out of college, so I studied um, public affairs in French when I went to IU. And um, I had no idea what the hell I was going to do with my life when I graduated um, with those, you know, I, I, I had dreams of being a French diplomat.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but I was I had I lived in a house with a bunch of musicians and I ended up picking it up and we ended up starting a band. And, you know, then after college, the band was kind of like, you know, it was it was I, I, we weren't famous or anything, but we had a nice following. Yeah. And so uh, we decided to tour. I, I just gotten a job working for Jim Kittle at the Indiana Republican Party when he had taken it over as a fundraiser. And I said to them when they were interviewing me, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be gone for two weeks at this point in time, you know, and it was pretty early in my tenure there and they were like, it's fine, it's fine. And so I was doing phone calls from the road and, and but I mean, it was a wild <laughs> time. I felt like I was living this double life, you know, yeah. I was like, you know living in this van and li- and on peanut butter and jelly and beer and by by day and night and playing music at night meanwhile i'm dialing you know millionaires asking them for money for the republican party and i'm sure a lot of the folks i was hanging out with on the road weren't you know they weren't republicans that's for sure. right so, yes um, yeah so it was a, it was an interesting fun time i'll never very forget
0: very cool and you're a pilot tell us about that uh
1: yeah so um i i took up the hobby a friend of mine bill osterley who was the founder of angie's list and and just recently passed um from als um when i was working for him at angie's list we both had been you know we, we both had exchanged our enthusiasm um for aviation i've always been just you know fascinated by it and um he was like, let's, let's learn how to fly. So literally he had one, a flight instructor come in one day into work, you know, and, and we're sitting there in the office and we're like, what does, what, you know, what do we have to do? And then it became like this race between him and I, of who was going to get their pilot's <laughs> license first. <laughs> who was going to score higher on the written examination. But anyhow, after that, then um, just ended up, I, I uh, bought a share of a, just a tiny little single prop airplane. And, and um, I, you know, I didn't really use it a whole lot for business or f- family travel or anything. I just would take it out if I wanted to relax. There's not the, the, the part that I loved about flying was you have to concentrate at least when you're a younger, pilot, you have to concentrate so much on not dying
0: while you're <laughs> flying the airplane
1: that you're you're not thinking about work or family or anything like nothing else. I felt I, I felt mentally and psychologically like refreshed and invigorated uh,
0: yeah. every
1: time after I was done flying. Um, and I I, I uh, went to get my um, my instrument rating, which was pretty intense, and it it, it wears you down, but it really, it, like I said, you know, the, the mental stimulation, it's really invigorating and and fun and, and very, cool. yeah. So I, I love aviation. It's a fun thing.
0: And then um, I think offline, you had shared something about inheriting a powered parachute. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh,
1: <laughs> when, when uh, one of the things that we like to tinker around with uh, <laughs> it wasn't just airplanes, it was a thing and uh. a, a type of plane called a powered parachute which is basically a cart with three wheels a giant propeller attached to it and a parachute uh-huh. attached to it and you you know like anyone could really fly one of these things it's not rocket science literally you the throttle controls whether you go up or down yeah. i think i then, see
0: them flying around the freeway uh, uh yeah yeah okay so yeah. that's we what you probably able- do
1: and so um you know he, he, we we got into some of those and he ended up buying a few of them and I have some funny stories of just ridiculous like like maybe we should have died kind of stuff (laughs) um because we we weren't trained and we were just out at the airport flying these things but anyhow when he when he passed I was gifted uh the powered parachute so um yeah we'll see (laughs) if I I mean, it's been sitting in a garage for like two years. I, I it probably needs a, a good look over. I, <laughs> so
0: Very cool. Well, you'll have to send me a picture when you uh, take that. Yeah. Book. yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll do that. Hey Mike, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today?
1: Yeah. I, I thought, um, gosh, there, there are several, I think, um, Maybe the best one, and it's not my my family. It's my family that I grew up with. Um, one of the best. So I was the youngest um, by six years. Um, I was a complete accident, um, and I think <laughs> I ended up I ended up being my parents' favorite. So um, <laughs> I'm joking, but um, my my dad my dad used to tell this story about how when um, and this just tells you how times have changed. You know, she was 32 and she was pregnant with me. Mm. and um he came home from work and she was stirring a pot of soup and this was when she found out she had gone to the doctor that day and she um you know she's crying you know and, and just you know wailing and, and my dad's like what is wrong what is wrong and she says I'm 32 and I'm pregnant you know like she was very unhappy um, to be <laughs> pregnant with me and so was my dad but I mean 32 today is like, like I, my, we didn't even have our first child until we were 31 years old so um so anyhow yeah uh I was that was a mistake but I think it turned out okay
0: <laughs> I love it Oh, uh, so um they started out with them crying about you and then you became their favorite. They loved me. I took care of them. I I stayed in Indianapolis. So
1: they they both got sick as they got older and I stayed in Indianapolis and, and took care of them. Well, you know, my, my siblings were off doing fun stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now you're, uh, now you're flying and you're playing with powered parachutes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey Mike, tell us, um, about how the business came to be? And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business?
1: Sure, so uh, a little, I guess a little background on the, um, the origin story. So the business was, was essentially started with Bill Osterly, um, the gentleman I mentioned earlier who had founded Angie's List. I met Bill when I was working for Mitch Daniels raising money because he had taken a leave of absence from Angie's List to, raise, to uh, run Mitch's campaign. After Mitch's campaign, uh, he ended up recruiting me to Angie's List, and I ended up spending 11 years there. So when Angie's List was sold in 2017, Bill had been gone for a couple years, and he reached out to me. and He's like, "Hey, what do you you know? What are you going to do with your life?" And I was kind of like, "Leave me alone. I want to just smell the roses for a second. <laughs> and um, of course, you know, the next night we're uh, at a bar having a beer, and he's telling me um, this idea that he has around using uh, some of the marketing tactics and strategies that we used at Angie's List, because you know Angie's List was a huge marketing company, obviously a, a well-known national consumer brand. Um, and we spent gobs of money becoming that. Um, and uh, he said, hey, you know, like, I think we could use a lot of the things that we did at Angie's List to um, help communities attract talent and recruit people into their community. And, you know, the population and workforce shortage was not even I mean, it was it was kind of out there, but no one was really talking about it at that mm, point in time. Right. And, um, you know, he'd been studying some of these demographic, um, like some of these economists that, that were telling us, hey, you know, like there's going to be an issue here in about five to 10 years. Um, Happened earlier than I think everybody imagined with the pandemic, Um, but uh, we started a company called T-Map that was oriented around using data and targeted marketing to find people to recruit to your community. Well, when the pandemic happened, we saw uh, um, a bunch of communities that were starting to offer incentives to folks to relocate there, primarily targeting remote workers, because suddenly you had this new segment of the workforce This huge segment and one of the more valuable segments of the workforce, right? High income folks that had suddenly become geographic free agents. And this migration was happening. And by the way, it's just starting. Like we are just scratching the surface right now. Um, You know, I've got to hope that the housing market will unfreeze a little bit. And I think that's going to just like I don't know. You know, I, I think it'll it'll really be moving then. Uh, but uh, we saw these communities that were offering these incentives to these workers to relocate to their community. Yeah. And we were kind of going, there's a marketplace like here. You know, there, there's suddenly this this market of geographic free agents. There's these communities that need people, the population, need children, need workforce. Um, and so need, need higher income workforce. And so we, uh, we basically just aggregated all of those, all those communities. And it was fewer than 20 at that point in time on the site. And we just wanted to see if we could get traffic and lo and behold, you know, we got a a very, very, uh, decent amount of traffic and we decided, okay, this is the direction we're going to take the business. And so now we're really, really focused on building this marketplace, where communities can um, effectively merchandise themselves and tell them, tell their stories um, and why you should live in in this community um, to an audience of people that are considering relocating and looking for this place that they're going to be able to um, live and connect with and actually become part of the community. So um, it's, it's tremendous fun. It's a really, it's a really, really neat business. Um, and uh, you know that, seeing the movers you know that are happy when they move and the communities that are actually you know sure. um, for once you know they, they they actually feel a sense of pride for once so uh, My biggest objection that I get is um, we don't think people would want to move here yeah. you know from a lot of communities, and when they see people actually do
0: it's really it's neat that is awesome. So tell us um, a little bit more about the company. what's the name and and how does it work
1: the The company's called Make My Move. Um, If you just go to makemymove.com, you will see a variety of different communities all across the country that are offering programming, dollar, um, incentive, you know, hard dollar incentives, other, you know, other things to people who, um, who decide I want to apply Mm. to this program and the programs require you to relocate to that community, you know, and actually live in that community and have a job work in that community. Um, so you're contributing tax dollars and, and new consumer spending, um, and the communities basically take all these applicants and, Um, run them through a recruiting funnel. Right. You know, like like introduce them to folks in the community, help them find housing, um, all the things that people need in order to make that decision to relocate and ultimately relocate.
0: Yeah. Do the communities help them find a job
1: as well? Some do. So, so most of the communities are um, oriented around recruiting remote workers. Okay. Um, but there are a variety of communities on our site that do remote worker recruiting as well as workforce recruiting. Okay. So, you know, they're building a database of people who are literally, you know, I mean, that are applying and yeah. saying, Hey, I'm interested in um, moving to your community. Tell me why I should. Yeah. So, so the, the the fascinating part about this is um, this is not a muscle or an activity that communities know how to do, Sure. right? They've never been asked to, they've always been B2B marketers. So uh, economic development has always marketed to employers yeah. to attract the company, to open up headquarters, Or open up some operations in that community. And when they land them, you know, then they hire 80% of the folks uh, from within that community, right? They create those jobs. That play worked great and it still does to some degree, but it doesn't work nearly as well when you have more jobs than people, right? When you need people you know this build it and they will come thing doesn't necessarily work um and so uh you know we think of this as an economic development activity yeah. it's just retail economic development sure. right to to consumers and not to companies yeah. and every you'd be you'd be amazed at the at the value of a household to a community so you know we actually had an economist from iu uh that that did uh, some research for us and put together an economic model. It was really expensive, by the way. Um, <laughs> but worth every penny. Um, but um, uh, Muncie, Indiana, for instance. Muncie, Indiana has moved 45 new households into Muncie in the last year. Average income, about $100,000. The average, that, that 100, each $100,000 household is worth $83,000 of new economic activity. That means um, $13,000 of new annual tax revenue and $70,000 of new consumer spending. And each one creates over half of a job. So when you get 45 families, suddenly you look at the economic value that you've created, and that's just one year, right? They're going to stay for five, six, seven years. So the return on the investment is extraordinary. You know, um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, who's the community we worked with for every $1 they put into that program, they've generated, I believe it's $13 of ROI. Incredible.
0: So yeah, it's it's very, very cool. So Mike, share a story where someone pushed or inspired you that you could, um, that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think that you could and the impact that that person had on you.
1: Gosh, I'll probably go, um, I'll start with Bill on, on the, these questions just because I think this was a, one of those moments in my career that uh, changed the trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie's List was just, just starting to scale. Um, they had just started uh, national adverta- national television advertising and the sales organization was starting to grow. And we were about a year from taking the company public. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't think taking the p- company public was necessarily on the radar at this point in time. But uh, uh, the gentleman who was running sales uh, for Angie's List had about 150 person organization and uh, his, uh, he ended up having to move back to North Carolina, uh, which was where he was from. And so, you know, the job was open and I, I was literally, I, um, I remember talking to people and they were like, you should, you should take that job. And I was like, I don't want that job. You know, I don't. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I was saying, I don't want that job. That's that sounds like a grind, you know, and <laughs> which, you know, the sales organization was kind of this like interesting organism, you know, I mean, these, these were rough and tumble, you know, transactional salespeople, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, HR had tons of fun uh, working with them, but they had their work cut out for them also. <laughs> um, but um you know, Bill came to me and he's like, I think, you, you know, I think you're, I think you're built for this. Uh, let, let's, let's give it a go. Um, and I didn't say, I didn't say no, but I did kind of go, oh man, hey. And, and he was like, he was like, you're doing this, you know? Um, and so, uh, y- you know, it was one of these things. It was, uh, man, it was fun because like, like one, we were growing fast. Two, we suddenly started this, uh, this process to take the company public. And I was playing a, a pretty key role in that. You know, I mean, I'm talking to the analysts, I'm presenting at investor day, um, you know, working on the pro forma and really running the revenue side of the, of the business through that transaction. And then the growth was intense. Uh, you know, I mean, we went from 150 people in the sales organization to almost a thousand two years later. Um, so it was just, and you know, the funny part, Tim, is I I didn't really have any idea what I was doing, you know, but
0: it was working, (laughs) right?
1: It was working and it's, it's great. So I, I remember a good friend of mine who I connected with in the middle of all that. He was like, man, how do you manage so many people? And I was like, I hire great people, you <laughs> yeah, know, like, you like I have great people that work with me yeah. to actually like do the work, you know, <laughs> and run run the business. So, um, but yeah, I would have never, you know, I don't know that I would have ever taken on, um, you know, a challenge like that yeah. uh, in an organization like that if it hadn't been for Bill. Wonderful.
0: Hey, um, I'm sure there's many, but what's your biggest learning as a business owner?
1: I think to remain calm. Mm. I was thinking about this one uh, uh, when I was looking at the questions. I, I, uh, you know, no business ever goes, nothing ever goes according to plan. You know? <laughs> right.
0: um,
1: I, I, I was like, seriously, I mean, I read a lot of uh, books about, you know, wars and generals and things like that. And literally you look at the, the best made plans never end up panning out and they always have <laughs> to adapt and they always have to change. And so when things aren't going your way, Um, I think the best thing to do is not to panic right and just remain calm and evaluate your options there's always options you know like like there's always options now sometimes they're not good
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, you know or some are better than others but you know there's always ways to um, to to address issues and and fix things so I'd say probably my number one thing thing would be remain calm another another thing that I thought about was you know um uh pay attention to your intuition and mm. your gut yeah sometimes your your mind is telling you things yes. and if you're not listening yes um yeah. like like you can let you you can it's all it's almost like selective avoidance it's like <laughs> oh, I'm <gonna> do this. <laughs> yeah you yeah. know don't let that happen if you feel like there's something around the corner lurking and um don't wait to walk around the corner you know like like uh find out address it um, and let, let that gut and like that sense and that intuition, yeah. just, uh, you have to, you have to kind of fine tune it and, and be able to, uh, know how to listen to yourself.
0: Sometimes I think it, it truly is a, like a muscle, right. In terms of, you know, our gut or our intuition or our instinct, whatever word you want to call it, our mastermind, um, you know, it does have answers and does have guidance and direction for us that, that our conscious mind can't necessarily see so you know things like meditation right or or yeah. exercise or quiet time like being able to to get away from the the day-to-day and listen to what our mind's telling us um there are always answers in there but oftentimes we're just running too fast to be able to to listen yeah. To it, right yeah. yeah and that's one thing I, that i think that i've you know i've, I've
1: been a ceo for two years now. And I, you know, I, I was with this, with this uh, ambulance company early on, but this is a very different thing. But, um, you know, you have to, you have to learn how to work differently, you mm-hmm. know, and, and hustle is not always the answer. Yeah. You know, in fact, I'd say more often than not, hustle is not the answer. So, right. yeah. um, so I, I think that's something you have to kind of, um, you have to train yourself to do.
0: I, I share with uh, with our clients and, and and some education seminars that we do that, you know, the hustle and grind con- concept has been romanticized more recently, but all hustle and grind does is leads to burnout,
1: right?
0: Yeah. And so, yeah. right, it, it's okay to do for the first couple years of years of starting a new business, but it's not sustainable. Well, that, sometimes you just got to back up you know,
1: in like what's happening, uh, you know, like what is going on and where are we taking this? Yeah, um, yeah I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Hustle matters. Uh, you know, I, it does, but you can overdo it. That's for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. It's more like um, short sprints of hustle, right? But yeah. they need to recover and, and rest and think, yeah. and process, and then, you know, do another little sprint. But if you're just constantly running, then uh, to your point, you're going to miss out on things that we that we need to be reflecting on and processing and, you know, and, and considering in terms of what's the next the you know, the next right step. And, and our instinct has a lot of knowledge if we just slow down and listen to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and again, it's like, I like, I, you know, we we tend to avoid things that we don't like doing, I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it could be it could be you know making a personnel decision and letting someone go, <laughs> which to me, you know, uh, that's one that I've very been very intentional about. Um, you know, because it's one of it's my least favorite activity as a manager, but I also think it's one of the most important things to you know mm-hmm. to do. You don't let problems linger because it affects not just the organization, the, the business itself, but the people in the business. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, uh, it's yeah. funny. I've uh, I'll have conversations with people, and they're like, "Hey Tim, I don't know what to do about this situation." I'm like, "Well, talk me through it," and they'll talk me through it. And I'm like, "It sounds like you yeah. know exactly what you need." Yeah, to do. yeah that's exactly right. <laughs> right. That's fine. That's and true. Like, okay, well, just do what you just told me because that's that's what you need to do. <laughs>
1: that's a hundred percent true. I love it,
0: Mike. We know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So, tell us about one of your biggest challenges. Um, as a, a business owner and maybe a fellow business owner that came alongside you and helped you through that?
1: Oh man, um, gosh, let me think about this. It's probably, uh, I'll, I'll tell the ambulance company story. So, um, you know, after the Mitch Daniels campaign, a gentleman here in town, his name is Tom Godby. Uh, he owns a, a heating and air conditioning business, but he also had an ambulance company and a few other, he's just a serial entrepreneur. Um, he comes to me and he's like, "Hey, I've got this ambulance company. Uh, it's it's basically ready to go bankrupt. Do you want to come and try and fix it?" And I'm like, "I don't know anything about ambulance companies or or healthcare, you know, and I've never run a business." He's like, "It's okay, you know, you'll figure it out." Um, it was I love I love it, you know. It was one of those things. He probably. That's probably one of the uh, great story about someone who put me in, uh, in an uncomfortable you know, situation um, it, it, that was really good for me. Yeah. And it ended up being, you know, total triage business management. <clears throat> you know, the first two weeks, um, you know, I, I, uh, I remember there was a 24 hour period. I was sitting there. It was a Wednesday afternoon. Wow and i was talking to the controller and literally i mean like this is my second week and we're looking at uh, uh at you know the finances and everything and i'm like i don't know that we have enough money in the bank for payroll you know and she's like oh no we're definitely not going to make payroll this week <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me you know i'm finding this out on wednesday and then um and then the dispatchers, I'm not joking, this is 15 minutes later. The dispatchers come running into my office and they're like, hey, the radios aren't working, the radios aren't working. They're like, Oh no, this is, and I'm I'm going, this is a pretty important thing for an ambulance company <laughs> to have radios. And uh it turns out I said, Well, have you called the the you know the communications company? to no, you know, so they called, and of course we were uh behind on payment, and so mm-hmm. you know, we we ended up we <laughs> granted them a check and got our radios turned on. And I, I went home to my wife and I was like, man, that place is like, this is pretty crazy. This is tough. And <clears throat> I woke up the next day and was doing more, just learning more. And it turned out we didn't have liability insurance um, because our policy left. Yeah, there was this, this weird thing and it had j- just happened. So I'm on the horn with the insurance guy and I called Tom that day and I'm like, Tom, man, you know, and this is one of those <laughs> things where he was like, remain calm. It's okay, you know. We'll cover <laughs> payroll. You know, like just get the thing back on its, tr- you know, back on its feet to where yeah. you can, you know, you, where you can keep it. Yeah. You know? And so, um, you know, so it was one of these things. It was baby steps, but we uh-huh. ended up, um, it ended up getting profitable, and then we ended up selling it uh, about a year and a half later. So, um, that was a, that was one of those moments where where it was like. Um, you know, remain calm. Yeah, you know,
0: we can figure this out. Yeah. Well, the good news is, is that he was transparent up front and told you that the business was dying. Oh yeah, he was. So he was. He was. Yeah, he with was your eyes wide open, right? Yeah, it wasn't like. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's true. I, it was. I
1: I should have listened better. That was a good lesson, <laughs> right? It was it was a trust me it was a great experience but it was one of those things where it's like I was like oh yeah okay no problem it's going it's you know it's on the verge of bankruptcy we can fix that and then you get in there and you're going whoa you know this
0: is pretty intense yeah well I didn't know you meant today it was on bankruptcy I thought you meant we had a year or something yeah yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, Mike if uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot here if I asked you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for them being there. To help with your business's growth, who are those three people and how they help you? Well, so I'm probably
1: going to go back rather than uh, just talking. These are folks who who uh, helped shape me and kind of my my habits and how I do things. Um, rather than are helping me with the business that, that are helping me with the business today. But um, Jim Kittle um, for sure is you know one of the number one folks. Uh, he was you know he came he was running the Indiana Republican Party. He's a um, Local businessman. I don't know if you've heard of him, but Kittle's Furniture and, yeah. and just a very active civic person and a smart business guy. And uh, I, you know, I came into the Indiana Republican Party as a totally inexperienced fundraiser. And man, he taught me how to grind and just and he also taught me how to not. Don't delay anything. You know, if you have something you got to do, if you got to pick up the phone and have a conversation with someone, pick up the phone and have a conversation with someone. Right. Uh, I remember <coughs> the first fundraising trip we had was down to Tell City, Indiana, and we flew in this little, um, you know, single prop airplane down to tell city we ended up raising thirty thousand dollars for the state party out of tell city which was huge i mean that, that was that, you know that's more than any governor had raised that. <laughs> and um and i remember we were uh dismounting the airplane after we landed back in indianapolis and I, you know i was all of you know two or three weeks in and i was like A 30,000 bucks out of tell city. That's pretty good. And I'm not not joking. He looks at me and he goes, well, I guess you get to keep your job. And then he just turned around. He just turned around and walked away. No goodbye or anything like that. That was it. I, you know, I was like, see you tomorrow kind of thing. So,
0: um,
1: you know, he just kind of taught me, you know, uh, don't take anything for granted. You you know, do your job. Um, you know, (laughs) and don't expect too much. And, uh, Tom Godby, who obviously, you know, kind of, um, uh, gave me the keys to you know a company that he you know had was having trouble with and um you know was there with me kind of the whole time you know when I needed a shoulder to cry on or for some advice or what, he was you know he was there um and so uh and then just the fact that he trusted me with that was um you know the lessons I learned uh from that was the uh, invaluable. And then Bill Osterly, of course, you know, like, and Bill Bill just taught me, um, you, you know, gosh, I, I, he taught me so many lessons. I can't even, I can't even think about him. but the number one, um, I think the number one lesson I, I learned from him was, uh, you know, even when you're worried or afraid, just have courage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Um, you know, b- being in business sometimes requires courage yes. and conviction and um you have to stick with it um and and so you know that's uh, he was he was fearless yeah. uh, which I, I don't know that he was fearless I think he was probably more courageous than fearless but um you know he had he was willing to take chances and um and then you know if, if things didn't work out uh plan b uh so right. I, I just learned I just
0: learned a lot from him about being courageous I, I love that term courageous the, the reality is, is that we're, we're hardwired to prefer our comfort zone, right? We're evolutionarily, right? We're not supposed to leave the cave or because we'll get eaten. So we stay in our comfort zone and, and unfortunately, right? Everything we want in life is on the other side of our comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an awesome word of if we're courageous enough to step out of the cave, right? We're going to experience it's... the things we want to have in life.
1: when when, uh when i was man i I even say this to my managers today but when when i was managing at angie's list and i had a bunch of sales managers i said to them i I, when i would talk with them i'm like what uncomfortable conversation have you had lately Mm. um and i would ask them that intentionally because I, i was constantly telling them like look if you're not having uncomfortable conversations yeah. you're not doing your job yes you know um you have to be able to speak directly to people to help them improve now just because uncomfortable doesn't mean toxic right it doesn't mean angry it doesn't mean mean it just means direct and transparent and compassionate yeah. you know i mean people want feet they want real authentic feedback even if it's not good yeah um yeah. most of the time uh, and, and so to me, you know, the only way you're really going to move the dial, I love, I love what you said. Everything you want is on that other side of that comfort zone. You know, um, you have to be, get used to being uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a a, a term called perturbation that we uh, introduce our clients to. And it's that, that it's that idea of that constant uncomfortableness of, because we're either growing or we're dying. There's no status quo though. So if we yeah if we want to stay in our comfort zone. We're actually dying because everyone around us is growing, and we're not. So it's I like your f- philosophy of daily, right? What are we doing to to make ourselves uncomfortable today, to grow and stretch and evolve so that we're working towards, you know, the things that we want out of life? yeah, i I, I love that. I love that concept, Mike, the let's think about the future. So over the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges you see that you're going to face? in reaching your business goals and who are the types of folks that you're going to need to, to help you resolve those? I'd say,
1: um, probably first and foremost is, uh, you know, capitalizing the business, mm. <clears throat> you know, the economic climate has changed pretty dramatically. Um, uh, uh, you know, we are VC funded and then also we have angel investors, um, you know, in, in our business, um, the angels are great I, you know they're very they're they're sort of kind of there when we need them um, if we're if we you know intend to raise and, and capitalize with some venture money i just think everyone that i've spoken to right now that's in the market is like man it's tough it's <laughs> tough to even get them to say yes and even it's even more difficult to get to agree on a valuation sure <laughs> So I think that, you know, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we're going to be facing. And for me, we talk about comfort zones. You know, I raised money for political campaigns and I've raised some money for this business, but we haven't done a large fundraise. You know, a lot of it's been through angel investors that I knew or, you know. Um, through our venture partner that we
0: started with well hey maybe um, you need to go down to that little town in indiana and and where you you got that thirty thousand dollars for your campaign <laughs> yeah it's a good idea um, yeah so so to me like that's
1: that, that's i i've got a lot to learn mm-hmm. um in that regard. Um, so that, that's part of it. That's one of the challenges. I think the second challenge is more uh, macroeconomic, which is um, you know one of the things that has, uh, we're, we're getting tons of traffic to the website, we're getting people applying to programs, but housing is, is somewhat of a barrier in some of the communities where we work, right? There's people that wanna move into a community, but there is no housing. And a lot of that is because uh because interest rates are so high right everybody's sitting there going well you know i'm locked in at three percent two and a half percent um and i don't like i would i would be interested in selling my house and moving to a new house but i don't want to go get into a six or seven percent and so so supply is down because people are holding on to their homes um um and I think that's making things more challenging for us, for sure. Um, but I also, uh, you know, one, I think things hopefully will change. I think they kind of have to at some point in time. Um, and two, we're still finding ways around that. Uh, you know, I mean, there's property management companies we're we're starting partnerships with, and a, and a variety of other uh, things we're doing to yeah. kind of circumvent yeah. that issue. But I, I'd say those are probably the two largest <clears throat> largest issues that we face as a business. Awesome.
0: Hey, last question here, Mike. Um, Jim Rohn, awesome business guru says we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So as you think about that, what advice would you have for business owners who are doing it on their own and, and you know, think that, you know, that they can't or shouldn't, you know, ask other people for help?
1: Oh, man. <clears throat> well, number one, asking someone for help is the best way to make a friend. Mm. in In my opinion, I, I like, I like, even if you don't know someone, a cold, you know, a cold email, uh, if, if you're authentic and you're real, you know, I, I at least what I've found is a lot of people will answer that email and give you some time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'd say the second thing is spent like, like spend time learning. Uh, I, I don't think that necessarily means reading books. I think it means talking, to folks, you know, other business owners, competitors, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, whatever it is you're thinking about or working on or struggling with, there's tons of other folks out there that that, that know more than you, Right. <laughs> um, you know, go out and talk to them. And by the way, you can develop really great friendships with, the, with these folks and relationships. And those relationships can turn into new business opportunities. I mean, I've seen it a thousand times where yeah. you meet with someone and then two years later, you know, you're doing some kind of business with them. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, so I think, I think learning um, and developing relationships with people are two of the most important things you can do. <clears throat> One, because it's fun and, <laughs> and life is short and I, I, th- I thrive on people, uh, you know? Uh, so that, that to me is a ton of fun, but two, because um, it does open up roads and paths that you never would have thought of or, or never would have occurred
0: to you. You, I, I love what you said about you know don't be afraid to to make that cold outreach so a lot of folks say to me oh, Tim they're 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 successful they're busy they're not going to have time for me how would you respond to that
1: well uh, I would say if you write them an email that's compelling and interesting then they probably will pick up they probably will answer that email or pick yeah. up that phone yeah. you know if it's just hey I need you know I um I, my advice, like, don't be afraid. You One, you'll never get anything if you don't ask, right? So you'll never have a chance to talk or learn from this person if you don't ask. So one is ask. Um, two is ask in a way that's, that's, that's going to make it interesting to them and going to make them want to want to talk to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's the thing I, I, I've found is, um, we all like talking about ourselves right we all like talking about the journey we've been through we all like the idea that maybe our journey could help others so to your point mike if the outreach is through that vein of hey i've noticed that you've done this or that and and i'd love to hear more about your story yeah i think there's something that that i could benefit from most people are going to love to talk about themselves right exactly that's exactly (laughs) right Yeah.
1: yeah like hey you've done this and I'm struggling with this. Would you mind giving me half
0: an hour? Can I buy you a cup of coffee or can I buy you a lunch? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Mike, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people that have helped you in your journey. If they were all here on the show today, what would you want to say to them?
1: Thanks. You know, um, yeah, but I, I like to think it's a two-way street. You know, I, I, um, they gave me a tremendous amount, but I feel like I also gave back to them. Uh, you know, and, and so, you know, there's this, um, mutual, mutually beneficial thing there. Uh, but you know, uh, yeah, I mean, thank you would really, would really be my core message. And, and, you know, like, like I said, life is short. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm shit, I'm 40, excuse my language. I'm 48 <laughs> now, um, you know, and I, I, I look back on all the relationships and all the people that I've met through, through my work. Um, And a lot of them are just just friends, you know, a very important part of my life. Uh, So uh, I would say uh, these relationships haven't just affected me as a business professional. They've affected me as a human being. Mm -hmm. And I will not regret a thing, you know, whenever whenever my number gets called, I won't regret a thing because these relationships have been so valuable and and, um, great, great experience for me.
0: Awesome. So, so cool to hear that the, you know, the combination of business and, and personal relationships. And, and, uh, I, I just love that idea of, Hey, the, that it's reciprocal, right? That we've, the people that are in our life, we've benefited each other as opposed to it just being a one-way street. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, and by the way, you know, I know that there's this whole, you can't mix business with personal relationships. Now, I think that's crap.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I love working with friends. Now, now, you know, like things can go wrong, Mm -hmm. but if you, if you have a strong relationship with them and you, you know, and you have that trust, man, it really helps you get things done. Um, And if things do go wrong, you know, you, 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 if you go into it with eyes wide open and with a realization that things could, could go haywire, typically, you know, there's no hard feelings.
0: Um, You you mentioned earlier about the transactional versus what you're just describing now, like we all prefer to work with people we know, like, and trust and, and it helps us through when things don't go exactly the way that we wanted them to, because we can rely on that personal relationship, right? Hey, we'll make it right, but give me, give me some grace and some patience to, to work through this.
1: Yeah, for sure. I
0: just, it just makes sense to me. Mike, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Tim. I appreciate it. It was it was nice talking to you. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread the movement by liking the show and posting it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and I'll see you all next time. Take care.